So this week we're going to continue on with the series that we've been doing on Christian ethics. So this year you'll recall that what we're doing is we're rebuilding the ruins of a broken and very broken Christian worldview that the world is believing and telling us to believe another worldview. So this year what we're doing is we're looking at all these different areas of the Christian worldview which is broken down and saying let's go back to God's word and let's rebuild the boundary stones that he put in place, the truths that set us free. So initially we looked at theology and we said who is God? And we spent some time looking at theology and looked at a workshop which looked at general revelation and specific revelation. Then we moved on to philosophy and said, what is the big picture, God? What's going on? And now we've moved on to a third boundary stone. We've moved on to Christian ethics. So last week, we started looking at Christian ethics. Is this going to move? Oh, my son James, come and help me. Oh, (laughs) sorry, I was swiping the black bit. Okay, all right, so what is Christian ethics? This is what we really looked at last week. So just to review what Mark said to us, where do we start as the starting point of Christian ethics? And to me, there was a really important point that he made, which is the very centre of right and wrong. And it comes from God's law. It doesn't come from what we think is right or wrong, what we believe is right or wrong, what the world is telling us is right or wrong. And what was so beautiful, Graham, about what you shared this morning is this young girl who's three years in the Lord asking this beautiful question. God brings her to the core and said, it's my law. I've got it there to keep you safe. I love you so much. Her question was, how come you love me so much? And this is showing us he loves us so much by his law is meant to be at the center of our Christian ethics. That's where we're meant to go to say what's right and wrong. Not what we feel, what other people are telling us, but his law. It seems obvious almost. Like when Mark said that, I thought, yeah, but... I don't think that we realise that when we're living our lives, I think we forget that because there's so many other sources telling us what's right and wrong. Our feelings are screaming at us to tell us what's right or wrong. I think we need to go back to these basic boundary stones and say, whatever you say, God, you're determining what's right or wrong, not me. And then from his law is where we get our ethics. This is where we get our values. And from these ethics, that's where we get our attitudes. This is in our core. This is what we believe. This is what we think is right or wrong. And then from what we think, as a man thinketh, so is he, the Bible says, this is how we behave. This is how we make choices about what's right and what's wrong. So last week we learnt that this is the theory of Christian ethics, that the theory of Christian ethics must be drawn from God's law. It's never going to be a Christian ethic if it comes from anywhere else. God determines Christian ethics. So while the law tells us what's right or wrong, the law does not make us right. So this week what we want to move on to is we want to move on to how we 
practice Christian ethics. We know right and wrong comes from God's law, it comes from God, but how do we actually practice that? How do we live out Christian ethics in our life? And the basic Christian ethic, the two words that sum up the whole Christian ethic is to follow Jesus. Not follow a law, not follow a regulation, not follow a set of rules, but to follow Jesus. There's a relational aspect to living out our Christian ethics. Yes, it's drawn from his law, but for us to walk it and to be Christ's ambassadors, for us to shine it, we have to follow Jesus. Simple words, hey? And probably the most difficult task we have in our everyday life is to follow Jesus. So I want to spell out a little bit on this side of the board. This is what we're focusing on today, is the practice of Christian ethics. And to really understand these two simple words, follow Jesus. What does that involve? How can I live this? Because you see, unless we're actually following Jesus, unless we're actually living this as our Christian ethic, we're not loving God and we're not loving one another. You see, our love is not genuine. And God's word tells us, that instead of having this genuine, pure love that shines Jesus out of our life, if we're not following Jesus, we're following somebody else or we're following something else. And that means our love is tainted. And the Bible tells us what that taint is. It's called hypocrisy. That's what it is. So if we're not following Jesus in our life as our Christian ethic, our love will be tainted with hypocrisy. That's the truth. So we've got to look carefully at following Jesus. We've got to understand what it is to follow Jesus. So the very first step in following Jesus is we need to be able to hear him. And he is not silent. He is not sitting there making it hard for us. He is constantly communicating to us. We learnt that through general revelation, God speaks to us. And through specific revelation, through his word, God is constantly speaking to us. If we want to hear him, if we feel like we're not hearing him, we just need to go to his word. If we're looking for him, if we want him to speak to us, we can go to his word. He will never let us down. And you know, as we sit there, As we absorb his word, as we interact with him, as we hear from him, as we read him, something goes on inside of us. It's not like his word is dead. His word is alive and his word stirs up our conscience. So you see, the word is coming from Jesus constantly. We don't have to listen to it. We can block our ears. We can just read these words and say they're just words or this is boring or this is too hard to understand. But, you know, our conscience is being stirred up. So there's activity here happening from Jesus. And if we want to follow Jesus, our conscience is telling us how to follow him. Our conscience is bearing witness to his truth. Our conscience stirs up in us, that's not right, Liz. I don't like what you're saying. I don't like what you're doing. So at that point, 
If I'm reading his word, if he's speaking to me and my conscience is stirred up and bearing witness to his truth and he's saying to me, I don't like that in your life, he's stirring something up inside of me, he's asking me to respond in some way. See, the problem is when we get that yucky, uncomfortable feeling, that feeling of guilt, we want to run the other way. God says, come to me, follow me, I'm showing you right and wrong to help you come to me. He says, now it's time for you to respond. He says, confess your sins. You don't have to cover up those sins with a mask and try and cover it up and say, do you know what? It's not really happening. He says, I'm stirring you up to let you know it's wrong. Confess to me, repent to me. I'll sort it with you. I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. That's the beginning of following Jesus. That is the beginning of living a Christian ethic. And if we keep trying to cover up that guilt, if we try to avoid that guilt, the life we leave will be nothing more than hypocritical. If we're claiming to be Christians, if we're claiming to live the Christian ethic, we've got to listen to Jesus and we've got to respond to our conscience that says there's something not quite right here. As we listen to Jesus, he'll clarify. He'll let you know what it is. He'll tell you about that conversation that you had with someone. He'll tell you about the choice that you made, which he said is not right and it's not safe for you. So he says, respond, respond. I'm here for you to follow. So if we do that, if we respond and we ask him to cleanse us, what happens is we, the process becomes... One, that Jesus does all the work to make us right. We receive that in faith. You see, Paul tells us in Romans, he says to be right. This is the basis of being right. It doesn't come from the law. It's something different. It's not from a rule or regulation or keeping a rule or regulation that makes us right or be right. He says, but now a righteousness from God, apart from law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God to make us right comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And then note, there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So not one of us bypasses this, not one of us becomes right through any other way but the blood of Jesus. This is the beginning of following Jesus. There's a gap between us and Jesus unless we go to him in faith and ask us to be right with him so we can follow him. So this is the beginning of living a Christian ethic. The next step. If we want to change our attitudes, we want to make sure that we actually have right thinking. And we're not going to have right thinking if we're going somewhere else. So we've got to come to Jesus, we've got to hear Jesus, we've got to be right with Jesus so that we can think right. This isn't a one-step, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of idea. This is coming to Jesus, it's saying, I want to be right with you, I want to walk with you, I want to be clean, I want to be next to you, I want to be with you, I want you to be in me through your Holy Spirit. And then it doesn't finish there. Our walk, our Christian ethic doesn't finish with this one prayer saying, thank you for forgiving me, I'm sorry about that. It's more than that. 
Colossians 3.2 says, set your, things, or set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. This is part of walking day to day with Jesus. It's saying our mind needs to be on things above, on his truth, on his words, on what he's whispering to us. He says, come back and put your mind on that. Watch what you're focusing your mind on. What are you looking at in life? What are you listening to in life? Focus on me. Focus on godly things. Focus on the truth. And we can do that. He empowers us to do that because he tells us we have the mind of Christ. We can renew our mind. We can cast down the junk. We can cast down the vain imaginations because we have the mind of Christ to say, that's the junk I need to chuck out. This is living and walking and following Jesus day by day, minute by minute sometimes. This is the wrong thought. This is the right thought. And the next step, because we can be right with Jesus, we can be thinking right, and he says to us, he wants us to be changing our behaviour too. He wants us to do right. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So you see, we can hear him. We can hear him stirring up our conscience. We can say, I really need to be right with you, Jesus. We can be thinking right. But unless we obey him, we're not blessed. We're not walking the Christian ethic. In fact, if we decide that we only want to think right and not do right, that's when hypocrisy walks right in. That's when the mask is over our lives and that's what masks the light of Jesus from letting them know that we are Christians, we are different to a world. Otherwise, we're going to look the same as the world. People have experienced hypocrisy in the world probably many times before they interact with a Christian. We don't want to blur into the world. We need to be different. We're no longer a slave to sin like the world is. We're actually a slave to righteousness. We can do right. He empowers us to do right. So if we're not doing right, if we're not walking um, the Christian ethic, then we have an unethical walk. And this happens if we think we can be right on our own. If we think we don't have to go here to hear Jesus to be right, we're going to be hypocritical. If we think we can think right on our own and gain all this knowledge by sitting there and studying on our own without Jesus, we're hypocritical. If we think we can do right and walk the Christian walk without coming to Jesus to empower us to say no to ungodliness, we're nothing more than hypocrites. You see, we cannot love on our own. It's not possible. So the question we have today is, is our love sincere? Is our love ethical? Or is our love hypocritical? Is it unethical? You see, Paul said to us in Romans 12.9, let love be sincere and without hypocrisy. What he's looking for is for us to interact with himself and to interact with one another in a genuine way. Sincerity means earnest, genuine, real, pure. That's how he wants us to love one another. That's how he wants us to interact with one another. He doesn't want any deceit. He doesn't want any falseness in the way we love one another and in the way we speak to one another and in the way we interact with one another. 
If we look at the word hypocrisy, it's a really interesting word. Here in this scripture, hypocrisy is defined as being something that's feigned, something that's pretended, something that's simulated, something that's not real. And it goes on in this description of, being, of, of what is it to feign something. So we're wanting to walk the Christian ethic. We're wanting to walk the, the, the ethic of love without this. It gives some examples to give a false appearance of. For example, feign sleep. Now I have two little experts in my house who know how to feign sleep. It happens from Monday to Friday around about 6.30 every morning. They're very good at it. I come into my little tykes and they just lie really still and they almost don't breathe. They almost go overboard on the feigning. They should breathe. They hold their breath almost when I come in. But that's the idea. That's the idea of feigning, of hypocrisy. It's being what we're not being, what we really are. To represent falsely, pretend to be a foreign um, or a feign authorship of a novel. We've seen that in the media. People say they wrote something, it was just plagiarised. It's embarrassing, it's false, it's hypocritical. To imitate so as to deceive, feign another's voice, pretending to be someone else on the telephone. That's exactly what God is saying is hypocritical. He doesn't want that in our walk. So let's have a look at an object lesson of hypocrisy. Let's have a look at something that God is saying he wants us to get out. So let's just say, whenever you see me, I'm looking Christian, aren't I? But you know, there's a problem. There's a problem when I'm doing this because you see, what if you lived with me? We were going to do a role play, weren't we, James? But we decided not to. He was going to yell out, weren't you, James? He was going to yell out and say, Mum, I've seen you do that a thousand times at home. And he was going to lift this and he was going to say, Mum, you're reading a novel. You're pretending to be something you're not. You see, on the outside, there's that great analogy, there's that great saying, is there not? Don't judge a book by its cover. But isn't that exactly what I'm trying to do? Aren't I trying to look so holy? Aren't I trying to do the right thing? See, I'm looking at the Bible. But you know, at the very core of what I'm looking at, it's black, it's the wrong colour. I'm trying to be something I'm not really. God doesn't go for that. And what's worse is that people sense that. It's not like we can get away with feigning being Christians. We can't, we can't fake it till we make it. It's not going to work. And where it comes up most is in your daily walk with those that watch you. They see it. We, we're not going to get away from it. And Jesus is not going to let you get away with it because your conscience will be bearing witness. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like the idea that I'm just worrying about what I look like on the outside. He's worrying what we're actually reading inside the book cover from day to day. But you know, in the Bible, Jesus had a fantastic object lesson on hypocrisy. 
and his object lesson were the Pharisees. They're a great example for us to learn from. And Jesus is the greatest teacher ever, is he not? And one way he taught his disciples in the day, and we're his disciples too, just on a different time on this planet, is he taught his disciples what it was not, what he didn't want, what this Christian walk shouldn't look like through the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees, he said, we can learn from. He said, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. If we want to learn how not to walk the Christian ethic, if we want to see what's the opposite, if we want to see what taints our interactions, it's hypocrisy. So if we look at the Pharisees' lives, see how they walked it, how they walked their lives, we can see what he doesn't want. So it's amazing. If we look in, um, there's one chapter, Matthew chapter 23. And if we look at Matthew 23, in one chapter, Jesus talks about the Pharisees as being hypocrites seven times. Whenever he repeats something, to me it's like a big red flag, it's like a big alarm bell. Notice this, hypocrisy, seven times in one chapter. So he's teaching us. This is the chapter where we get this famous expression from, you don't practice what you preach. You're not walking the talk. This is where we learn what Jesus hates. We look at the lives of the Pharisees. So we can learn a lot of valuable lessons about hypocrisy if we follow our great teachers' lived-out example of the Pharisees. We can learn about how, as followers of Jesus, we can learn about following our calling to, to, to follow him, to follow him. This is not how he wants us to follow him. He said in Matthew 23, this chapter with all the you know, attacks against the Pharisees as being hypocrites, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish. They got that book cover looking really shiny. But inside, they're full of greed and self-indulgence. They're black. You see, they were so careful to look Christian. They were so careful with their appearance and their words and their traditions. But inside, they're greedy, they're self-indulgent, they're black. And the inside, this word inside in this scripture means the inner being, the secret intents of the heart. So what are our secret intents? What's our motivation? That's what he's interested in. If we look at the word hypocrite here, it's a different word than hypocrisy that we looked at before. The Greek word here means a stage actor. So he's saying, you stage actors. And back then, the Greek stage actors used to use a mask. And they used these big masks, they were like big mechanical devices, to make their voices louder and stronger. So these masks then or these stage actors with the masks, is exactly what Jesus was meaning using this Greek word, hypocrite. Stop being a stage actor with a mask. These are the sort of masks they used back then. You know, sometimes they have, um, you know, different play companies will use two masks to kind of represent their play company. Have you seen that? This is based on these Greek masks that they used way, way, way back. So when we think of being hypocritical... 
Jesus wants us to understand we're putting on a mask. We're blocking. We're, we're putting something over his light. But there's a solution because the very next verse of chapter 23, Jesus says, Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be cleaned. They got it the wrong way around. They were so busy with the outside, they figured somehow through their own righteous acts, they could somehow be right with Jesus. That if we clean out here on the outside, surely somehow that'll clean me up on the inside. He says, You got it the wrong way around. You got to first clean the inside before you can be clean on the outside. So what do today's masks look like? So they were masks from way back. We, we don't have them anymore. So to be a hypocrite today, it's still this meaning of being a stage actor and having a mask over our lives. But what does that actually look like? What are those masks that we try and put on when we're being hypocritical? I want to show you um, a fairly short clip. This is just a little video clip. It only goes for two or three minutes. And it shows you some um, examples or some expressions of the masks that we're tempted to wear when we're trying to be right without Jesus, when we're following ourselves, when we're following the world. We only put the mask on when we're trying to cover up that guilt, when we're trying to be right, think right and do right without Jesus. So I want you to watch this clip and look for the different masks. And notice there's some really powerful words in this clip that say, yeah, we all get in a mess inside. We all sin. We all fall short. But these messes inside of us that needs to be cleaned up, that's God's specialty. I mean, he went to a lot of trouble to send his son to clean us up on the inside. This is his specialty, messes on the inside. So if our heart is exploding with helplessness or hopelessness, addictions, emptiness, hurting, God is saying, I can clean that up for you. Messes are my specialty, inside messes. You've got to clean up the inside in order to live clean on the outside. There's just one condition here. He can't work with the mask. He wants us to expose and confess the sin to him rather than trying to cover it up with a mask and say, I can fix it myself. I don't need you, Jesus, to do that. So watch for the line. Messes are God's specialty, but the one thing God can't work with in our lives is a mask. It's... um. It's a wake-up call, isn't it? That if we can't be the person God created us to be, no one else can be that person. There's no one else that can be you because God made you so unique and so individual that if we try to be something we're not, we're not being who he wanted us to be for that plan that Graham was talking about this morning that he has for each one of us. We do some crazy things, don't we, these masks that we put on to somehow become more lovable like if I do this first God will love me or if I do something to look really good others will love me but God's word says that while we were sinners he died on the cross 
It's coming to him, taking the mask off and saying, I'm a sinner, God. And then we know this beautiful love that we're all trying to understand. I think it's amazing, it's enormous. But it requires us to take off the mask and be the person he created us to be by starting this whole walk by saying, I am a sinner. But messes and sin is your specialty, God. You can fix it on the inside for me so I can think right, so I can do right, so I can live out this life that you've created, this beautiful life plan that you've created. So modern day masks. Jesus said, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, And the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, if we're going to put a mask on like the Pharisees put a mask on and think that that's how we're going to be right with God, we're no different to the Pharisees. There's a stern warning in this scripture. He wants our righteousness to surpass the Pharisees. He doesn't want us to try and get our righteousness from anywhere else but from him. Running around trying to look right, running around trying to be right any other way is to wear a mask. But the solution to hypocrisy for you and I today in 2012 is exactly the same solution as he gave to the Pharisees way back 2,000 years ago. He said, blind Pharisee, First clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside will also be clean. So we're going back to the inside where Jesus can clean us up on the inside because messes are his specialty. And then we can think right and we can do right and we can live this Christian ethic of following Jesus day to day, minute by minute. But it doesn't happen on our own. We can't clean the inside of the cup ourselves. If we try, our life will be that of a hypocrite. In Luke 11.40 we read, You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? We get it, I think, that he created us. He made the outside of our bodies. I mean, he numbered the hairs on our head. He's saying, don't you think I I can clean up the inside too? I made you on the inside too. Come to me to fix up the guilt. Come to me to fix up the hurting. Come to me to fix it up inside. He's there to clean up our mess as long as we take off the mask. So let's look at some of these masks he wants us to take off. Yeah, but I'm thinking right. You know, like... Surely I'm, I'm living this practice of Christian ethics. Surely I'm shining Jesus' light because my thoughts are so pure and I'm really thinking right and I've read at least 10 books this week about the Bible and read seven commentaries and I'm just really concentrating on getting my thought processes right. But you see, with the mind, I myself serve the Lord of God. I may be serving the Lord of God with my mind, but with the flesh, the law of sin. You see, this walk of Christian ethics needs each step to be congruent. 
It needs each step. It's not just thinking right and thinking that's walking with Jesus or that's following Jesus. He says, no, you don't want to be in this situation where my mind is serving the law of God, but my flesh, what I'm doing, the law of sin. You see, unless he cleans us up from the inside, we're going to be a slave to sin. You can think right as much as you like, but without Jesus to help us overcome being a slave to sin, to set us free, we're only wearing a mask. Thinking and doing is what he's asking us to do. In 1 John 4, 20 to 21, we read, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This isn't just about this interaction with God and that's living out a Christian ethic. He's saying, I need to see that in what you're doing and thinking. You're meditating on my work, but I need to see that in your day-to-day interactions with others. You see, he's not interested in our knowledge because he says knowledge just puffs up. But love, that edifies, that builds others up. Let's look at another hypocrisy mask. But maybe we say, but I'm listening right. I'm hearing Jesus. Revelation. Man, I'm getting this. Just walking on the beach. I know God. Look at this beautiful world he's made. Oh, I'm hearing God. I'm feeling God. I'm reading his word. I'm hearing him. He's talking to me. I must be living the Christian ethic. And do you know what? That is part of living the Christian ethic. Hearing God is essential for us to live the Christian ethic. But it's more than just hearing Jesus. It's more than just keeping this beautiful word for ourselves. In James 1.22 we read, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's this feigning falsehood that creeps in the door as soon as we think this is just about hearing God and not expressing that in in, in our lives in terms of how we're doing life, how we're serving others, how we're loving others. We've got to take that mask off. Here's another one. But I'm saying and doing lots of right things. You know, I really know what I'm saying is correct and what I'm doing. They're really righteous things. These are good things. Let me tell you all the people that I've talked to today and given scriptures and look at all the ways that I've served different people. And I've, in fact, I'm quite exhausted from all the ministries that I'm involved in at the moment. You say Jesus isn't wanting to look at our works as a way of living a Christian life in isolation from doing what's right because we're thinking right, because we are right, because we're hearing Jesus. Just doing right, somehow trying to be right by our works is hypocritical. It's a mask. It's as if I keep real busy and look like I'm doing lots of right things. That's living out a Christian ethic. We have to ask ourselves a question if we think that that alone is living the Christian ethic. John seven eighteen says, He who speaks on his own does so to gain honour for himself. But he who works for the honour of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. To me, this is cutting. This cuts to the core of our secret intent, of our motive. Why are we saying these things? Why are we doing these things? If we look at the word honour, it means good reputation or praise. Let's reread this and put in good reputation or praise into this scripture. 
He who speaks on his own does so to gain good reputation and praise for himself. But he who works for the honour of the one who sent him, he who works for the good reputation and praise of the one who sent him, of Jesus, is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. You see, whatever we're saying and doing here on the outside is to lift him up and for his honour. Because the only way we can be right, think right and do right is because of everything he's done. It's not what we've done. We can't boast of our works. It's not about our reputation and getting praise from men for us. We're worried about his reputation. We want to honour and glorify him for the work that he's done. He's the one that saved us from sin. He's the one that's freed us from sin. And he's the one that enables us to live out this Christian ethic. We can't do it without him. Otherwise, it's false. False here means unrighteous. We're doing the opposite thing. We're not being right. We're not thinking right. We're not doing right. We're actually being unrighteous, thinking unrighteous and doing unrighteous. This word, it means a condition of not being right, whether with God, according to the standard of his holiness and righteousness, or with man. So both ways we're breaking the great commandment, with God and with man, because man's conscience will be stirred up by our falseness. So who are we following If we want to live out the Christian ethic in our life, we've got to ask ourselves, who are we following? Who are we listening to? Where is our thinking? Where is our focus? Is it on ourselves and our own egos? Or is it on Jesus? Following Jesus is probably the simplest summary that we have of walking the Christian ethic. But it is also the most difficult thing we can do. But it's so important that we remember from day to day, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus in this thought. I want to follow Jesus in this choice I'm making. I want to follow Jesus in the words that I use. I want to follow Jesus in the terms of how he would say it, when he would say it, why he would say it. I want my motive to be the same as Jesus. Every step we make is to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is the core message that he gave his disciple Peter. The first thing Jesus said to Peter was, Come follow me. Come follow me. The very first word Jesus said to Peter. And the very last thing Jesus said to Peter, You must follow me. It's important. As soon as Jesus repeats it, there's that red flag. It's important. The first thing he says to us as his disciples is, follow me. The last thing he'll probably say to us is, follow me, good and faithful servant. That's my prayer. Don't we want to follow him into eternity? I don't want to be following anyone else into eternity. We need to follow Jesus, not the ways of the world, not our own egos, not our own greed or selfishness. We want to follow Jesus with every thought, with every word, with every action. 
We want our love to be sincere. We want our love to be genuine. We want our love to be free of hypocrisy. We want to practice Christian ethics. We don't just want to talk about them. We want to live it. And we can't live it unless we follow Jesus. And following Jesus means that we need to live a life of love. Because that's what he did. That's what he's about. God is love. Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We want to follow Jesus in every action, in every word. We want to follow the way he loved. He's commanding us to do so. His command at the, at the centre, which is saying right and wrong, love the way I've loved you. Don't love the way you see it on the movies. Don't love when you feel like it. Don't love when it's convenient. He says, love each other as I have loved you. And we can't do it unless we follow him. We need to love Jesus and serve Jesus and follow him first. And then he says, love one another. That's what living the Christian ethic is. So it's a cutting question. Is our love sincere or is our love hypocritical? Let love be sincere and without hypocrisy. That is walking the Christian ethic. That our love be sincere without hypocrisy. That we don't love with a mask over our face saying, this is how I love you. I want to cover up all my faults. I want to cover up that yucky stuff I feel uncomfortable about. I want you to love me because of this mask I put in front of me. No, we want to get rid of the mask and show people Jesus. He's the one that's cleaned us up. We don't want to be accused of hypocrisy. And I guess there's two ways we can be hypocritical. We can say, all I need to do is be right with Jesus and I'm living the Christian ethic. That's all I have to do. Get right with Jesus, get him to clean me, done. Our life will be hypocritical because we need to think right and do right. We can't just look at one step and say, all done. And equally, we can't make this step on its own and say, I'm living the Christian ethic, I'm thinking the right way. I'm reading all this stuff. I can memorise chapters of scripture. It's hypocritical. And we can't just run away around and around in life saying, look at all the stuff that I'm doing. I must be right. I must be loving people by all the things I'm doing without walking with Jesus. Each of these things are right, but we need to be doing this in combination with Jesus, following our conscience, following his promptings. We want to live the Christian ethic because we want to be showing people this beautiful love that Jesus has for us and for them. If we do anything else, we taint it. We taint this beautiful love of Jesus. We want to be, you know, we've talked about being a community, being a life-transforming community, being a community that stands out from the world. They get enough of the hypocritical stuff from the world. How many people get ripped off buying something in the shops and then getting home and the salesman said it was this, but it, you get something else. They know hypocritical. They know hypocrisy from the world. Let's show them something different. Let's follow Jesus every moment in our lives so they can see Jesus in our life, so that we can be what he wants us to be. 
And it all starts with saying, I'm a sinner. I'm coming to you, Jesus. I want you to clean me on the inside. And it's saying, do you know what? I started here. I need to come back here to you, Jesus, and remember that you're showing me what's right and wrong. You're the one that knows what's right and wrong, not me. Even if I don't fully understand it, even if it feels kind of strange, I'm coming back and I'm following you, Jesus. I'm trusting you, Jesus, with the truth and for you to tell me what's right and wrong. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you today fully recognising that sometimes those masks look so tempting to put on that somehow we want to clean ourselves up, that sometimes we just get so consumed with the idea of getting the outside of the cup clean. But Lord, bring us back. Bring us back and show us that we need to focus on coming back to you, that you can clean us up on the inside so that we can be right with you, so that we can shine your beautiful light by thinking right, by saying the right thing, by doing the right thing because we're following you day by day, Lord Jesus. Help us to listen to your beautiful voice, Lord. When the world is so loud, help us to stop and be still and listen to your voice that's guiding us. Help us to follow your voice, Lord Jesus. You said that your sheep hear your voice. Lord Jesus, we hear you. We want to hear you again. Lord Jesus, thank you for continuing to speak to us. Help us to respond, Lord, with a prayer of forgiveness if we're not right with you, Lord. Help us to walk with you every day. Help us to keep our thinking right, Lord. Help us to remember that it's not just about being right and thinking right, but doing right too, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray in your holy name. Amen.